We are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Shame it's not sure this is a great idea. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will, and I'm joined by my co-host, Conrad. Hello. And in this episode, we are joined by a particularly special guest, because it's someone who was an originally... Uh, host of the podcast on the very first episode we recorded back in 2017. So we're delighted to have him back on the podcast to uh, join us in this look back at the year in politics and everything else. Welcome, Jonathan Swales. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, So to begin with, I'd like to ask, uh, John, I know that um, you've not uh, had a great deal of support for either of the main parties at the moment. How did you feel uh, when you saw the exit poll and the results starting to come in? Um, well, as someone that spoiled my ballot um, for lack of support for either of the of the main parties or any of the other parties, um, well, I wasn't surprised uh, at the result. Um, and I th- I do think that it was probably the best outcome for the country, um, despite some of the, you know, decent policies that that Labour had. Um, I do think it's probably. I, I I was sort of soberly happy. I wasn't like over the moon. Um, I suppose I lean more towards the Conservatives generally, anyway. Uh, so I was glad to see the result, but. Um, I also, at the same time, didn't didn't vote for the Conservatives. So, whichever way it had gone, um, I guess it would have been I would have been fine with it. Really, I guess. Now, this has been a very turbulent year in politics. It's, it's sometimes we forget how much has changed just just in these um, twelve months. I mean, it's only been the day of the election was the twelve month anniversary exactly on the last confidence vote. In Theresa May, where she survived by two thirds, <laughs> yeah, MP supporting her, um, and Theresa May was, of course, the Prime Minister for most of this year. Yeah. Um, so, what what do we all think of Theresa May's sort of time in office and how it ended? I feel um, I feel slightly sorry for her, to be honest, that she just sort of got the the brunt of just a a bad situation to be honest um maybe maybe she'd have gone down better in public opinion if brexit hadn't dominated um her her time in office yeah 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 i I see what you mean uh and i think that like her speech on the steps of downing street when she said that she was going to help the just about managing and all that sort of thing was something that would probably have been more of a priority for her if yeah. if she hadn't had to face um, Brexit and all the things that were involved in that. But I think that she didn't exactly help herself in a lot of ways with sort of like her repetition of strong and stable and saying she was going to get things done and it was only her way or the highway, if you know what I mean. And it, I don't think that... Mm-hmm. I mean, she had a difficult... Thing to do with Brexit, but at the same time, she didn't help herself in any way. I think you were going to say something, Conrad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not sure the repetition of a slogan was really the 
down for. I mean, for Boris Johnson saying get Brexit done, just as much probably this election. But the difference is, he can he has a natural ability to sort of campaign and be personable, and and Theresa May didn't really have that, and she called an election at a time when you know she 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 like. She election, but Brexit what didn't feel like it was the big issue in that election. Whereas, obviously, this time a lot's changed. Brexit definitely was the big issue in this election. Whereas, whereas Corbyn very successfully ran the best possible campaign he could have done, made it about austerity and public services and anything else above than Brexit. Whereas, whereas, um, and that sort of was her downfall. And I think every all of her problems can sort of be traced back to her 2017 election, not defeat, but losing a fat majority yeah i think the the problem with strong and stable was that it was a, a promise she couldn't really deliver because of the circumstances with brexit um whereas i guess time will tell whether or not boris is able to deliver on his promise of you know getting brexit done uh, i th- think just Going on the issue of uh, Boris and the recent election, a lot of the seats that make up the Conservative majority have been seats in like uh, the north of England and the Midlands. And I know, Jonathan, um, you live in Liverpool, but originally you're from Birmingham. Uh, yeah. And uh, your constituency went from the Labour Party to the Conservatives, your home, cons- um, the, it did, where you grew yeah. up in. Uh, was this something that like surprised you? Or do you think that this is sort of... Would have happened... Anyway, or do you, how much of a, a factor do you think Boris and Brexit played in in the result? Well, I mean, Birmingham is uh, traditionally, a, you know, very uh, supporting of Labour, but it did. I know my constituency voted to leave the EU, so I think with this election being, you know, so it, it, it was a Brexit election. Um, I think that is really you know, why um, the Conservatives have, have taken um, that seat. And um, I'm, I'm not surprised, really. Although I know there is still, a, you know, there is still a strong Labour sentiment in the con- constituency, but, um, you know, most people just, I think, want to get Brexit done, even if they voted Remain. Um, and actually, I think that the other main problem um, it's just not seeing a valid leadership in Jeremy Corbyn as as a prime minister. Do you think um, that sort of the repeated delays of Brexit, obviously it was originally supposed to happen on March the 29th, then it was April the 12th, and then it was, um, you know, June the 30th, if, if we got a deal through and then it, we didn't, so it was then the... Um, we go back to the 31st of October and now 31st of January where we will probably, we most likely in all things actually leave because of the new majority government. But oh, yeah. obviously it's been pushed back so many times. Do you think that frustration has led to sort of people just sort of wanting it sorted? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, polit- politicians aren't trusted at the best of times um, on delivering on their promises and then I think Brexit over the last three years has just shown the inadequacy of, and incompetency of, of 
Parliament to get things done um, even more. Uh, I think it's probably just it's frustrated people. And then you've got Boris come along, who who you know he's he's a likable character, whether you know you agree with him or not. Um, well, maybe not to everyone, but um, for you know in the in the populist sense, most people kind of seeing him um you know someone that is able to to get things done uh, and so i guess you know he was the the obvious winner in in this elections i think also uh, one of the things that happened with the delays was that it allowed the remain course to build up much more momentum than it would have otherwise done if there hadn't been so many delays because the delay seemed to present an opportunity that like there would be a second referendum but of course now the likelihood of that is nor so i think that um just the fact that it allowed the opposition the people who were uh, opposed to brexit to be able to create a, a quite a strong and quite eye-catching narrative to put to people probably meant that it in turn led to more delays and it was sort of like almost a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way um one of the things that's also been dominating uh this campaign has been the sort of the perception of the labor party as not quite in touch with like working class people and with people in their traditional heartlands is that something that you've seen among people you know and um friends and, and other people john is that something that you just sort of like have this sense that the labor party doesn't like represent people that you know in both sort of like birmingham liverpool wherever well i mean living in liverpool for four years now and and you know studying at university for three of those years working for the last year um the people i know are very very strongly uh supporting of labor um and actually i think the sentiment is still i think liverpool is is quite different to most of the country in that it it it, it probably is one of the most labor through and through places in the country um and so actually i don't think the sentiment has changed here it, it still very much is in support of labor um i don't think that changed in this election I mean, one so one thing one thing that happened this year in terms of Labour Party and their sort of divisions was the forming of the independent group that became Change UK and then the independent group for Change. Um, now, it's, I mean that they were polling third at one point, which mm-hmm. at this I mean, and in this election they got less votes than the continuing Liberal Party, <laughs> UKIP, and and, and like and, and in fact less votes than Lindsay Hoyle did as an individual candidate in his constituency as speaker so i mean that's quite interesting to see how they sort of had with a great hope of sort of these sort of centrist people and how they've they've fallen they've lost out to first to the liberal democrats and then just a squeeze of tactical voting yeah and i think it's something that um it's kind of i mean in a way it was sort of like inevitable i think because like when you try and form a new party or when you form a new party, you have to have some sort of like, you know, some base. They didn't really have a base. They didn't really have a membership. I mean, people sort of like, like a lot of people who felt disaffected with the Labour or the Conservatives sort of like, 
like the idea, but I don't think there was any like theme or like narrative or particular vision that was attached to them, which meant people thought, oh right, I'm definitely going to be voting for them as opposed to Labour or the Conservatives or the Lib Dems. So I think the fact that they didn't kind of think that particular part through of the party meant that uh, it just ended up sort of like not having the same impact. And I think you could perhaps say something similar of the uh, Brexit party. I mean, what what do you both, as people who, who voted Leave, what do you both think uh, was the purpose of the Brexit party? Do you think it was just to be a pressure group on the Conservatives or what do you think it's got in the future? I don't think they really do have a future, no, but I, it probably was. Um, I mean, Farage said that, didn't he? Um, that it, it was it was more, I think it was a response towards the um, incompetency of the Conservative Party to, to get Brexit done. Uh, and I think it was, I guess it's out of fear that I, I suppose Farage's like hard Brexit was, wasn't going to um, be done um, and so that's where the Brexit party came from didn't it I mean so they obviously won the European elections which was mm-hmm. the last national election um, yeah. yeah so that I mean again so that shows how much has changed since then and Lib Dems came second but um, I, I mean they at the time we had Theresa May just delayed Brexit. We yeah. were having elections we sh- we shouldn't have had by all means of those that already have left. <laughs> I think there, it was a perfect time for a protest vote, especially as people don't see the European Parliament elections in general as important or you know, whether they should or not is another question. But yeah. people don't <clears> see them as having that much influence. They just see it as, a, as an easy protest vote. But when it came to and then what I mean what but yeah. what the Brexit party is sort of success sort of left led to was Boris Johnson was becoming leader because he had Theresa May soon after resigned and once Boris Johnson was leader someone who actually was seen believing in leave and he got his new deal it kind of took all the wind out of their sails which is what Boris promised to do he said he would put the Brexit body back in their box put Farage back in his box and it and it and it did do that and I think their decision to withdraw from all the considered held seats was probably to save face more than anything because i mean it doesn't look like there's very many conservative seats which it would have made much difference and maybe there's a hat maybe there's one or two but um that that you know brexit by candidate could have taken the votes but in terms of conservative held seats and it would have there would have been very little difference even if it has in every constituency so what it really and and i think there was a bit of an issue with splitting the vote in some areas yeah um but i think I mean, overall, Boris won those people who Farage said that would never vote Conservative. They did vote Conservative. So in, the idea of the Brexit Party needing to be this party to take on Labour in its northern heartlands, yeah. Yeah. the Conservatives did that. That's, yeah, that's being completely um, turned on its head. Do you think then that um, in terms of sort of like the just looking forward for a moment to the future of British politics, we're not going to probably see another election until... 2024 because of the majority of the Conservatives what do you think we're going to see in terms of sort of like changes do you think I mean how much do you think is actually realistically going to change in terms of 
the political parties and I mean obviously Brexit might be resolved by then with you know I mean we'll be probably leaving on the uh, at the end of January but obviously there's a trade negotiations and all that sort of thing like how different do you think um, it's going to be in the next five years from how it's been now it's a hard one to make predictions for really I would say because I it's mean, difficult I mean I mean we just didn't see how much has changed just in this year and in mm. five years, obviously, yeah. is so much. But I feel like, I mean, I guess it's going to go back to politics as usual almost once Brexit's yeah. gone, because once it's sort of that's out of the, the political thing, you've got a government with a majority of 80. They can mm. pass whatever they want. There's not going to be close votes or anything like that. You know, you're going to get the odd, odd resignation, I'm sure, and the odd by-election, as you always do, but it's not going to be so fraught, as I guess we've had in the last few years, when it's been hung parliaments and small majorities and Brexit and all these votes and meaningful votes, defections, independence, all that kind of thing. I, I think it's going to go back to more like Labour and Conservatives. I think the Lib Dems are going to struggle a lot because yeah. they've lost and against the Brexit Party it was in the same way, but they've sort of not really that relevant. But the Lib Dems, I think that outside the seats where they are the tactical non-Tory vote, they they've not really got much hope because. They're, they may like remain their big issue, second referendum, and then revoke. I mean, they they uh, that sort of didn't pay off for them. They lost their leader, in fact, and it's now got to a stage where like we're going to leave the EU. They are we going to go down and rejoin the EU path? Because I don't see that being very popular. Because that means euro means open borders with the EU, Schengen means you know, accepting ever closer union even further than we have in the past. So I don't see that being very popular. So I'm not sure what their path is. I mean, you mentioned independence there. Obviously, the SNP, one of the main things that they're going to be focusing on is another referendum vote. Mm. But the likelihood is, is that they're not going to get the government to agree to that. So, I mean, what do you think the SNP are going to do? Because they've seen a dip from... Um, yeah, they saw a dip in 2017 from 2015, and now they've gone up back a bit. Do you think that that they're still going to have sort of like a quite a uh, impact on British politics, or do you think the fact that the Conservative majority is so big that it sort of like kind of makes them not as relevant and not as important? I mean, they would have had a lot more relevance if it had been a hung parliament and they'd have been propping up Corbyn and yeah, yeah. seemed to their tune. I think. They're going to still, they, I mean, Nixon's going to do what she always does and keep on talking about independence every every moment, blame everything on the union and fail to do anything in the actual problems of Scotland. I think this is like, it's, obviously the Conservatives will, will not grant a second independence referendum because there's no mandate for that. Yeah. Um, and they had one in 2014. And I think that, like, I mean... The the Scottish government has no legal ability to call on themselves, so I mean I don't know how that's going to affect the Scottish Parliament elections in 2021. Um, SNP might do very well there, or maybe people will get bored of them. But that's all again two years time. That's quite a, or it's over a year's I, time. I do wonder. Um, it, I mean I'm not sure. Maybe maybe both of you have uh, a better understanding of this than me. But I I wonder. Um, if the, you know the, the success of the SNP in in Scotland in this election was more down to, um, a 
contempt for for Jeremy Corbyn's labour rather than a mandate for leaving the union. I think it was. I mean, a lot of their campaigns based around them being anti-Brexit. So I think well, a lot yeah. of it was a, rem, a Remain vote. And I right. think obviously Corbyn, Corbyn's more. I think I don't know if you get figures, but I think he's more popular in Scotland than he is in England. Um, certainly, and they would support Labour there. But I think he's not seen as very competent, which is I guess the same as everywhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because of. I guess because of the fact that they don't see a Labour government, Scotland being a more left-wing country than mm. the rest of the UK, they don't see a Labour government as possible as kind of helping to fuel the independence thing. And obviously Boris Johnson's now in there with five years, not very popular in Scotland. Though in fact he did get six seats in Scotland, which is better than six more, which is six times more than David Cameron got. <laughs> That's very in Scotland. true. Yeah, yeah. So um, not quite as, you know, not quite as nice as Theresa May, but he's, um, but, I mean, this is a Scottish um, Conservative Party, which has not got a leader at the moment. <laughs> so probably yeah. didn't come at the best time for them. But yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if there's any Welsh independence calls as well. As well, this is what I'm worried about, really. As a, as a unionist, I am worried that, you know, um, growing sort of, you know, a, a louder voice from the SNP of, you know, a, a second referendum on uh, Scottish independence could, you know, if that if that were to happen, and of, of course it, it won't in this government, if that were to happen in, by the end of the decade, um, I, you know, it, it, it follows that Wales would do the same and, and there'd be a, maybe even in Northern Ireland, a, a a stronger voice for that. Oh, well, because Welsh politics at this election kind of did follow England a bit more than well, yeah. Scotland, whereas you had I the mean, there was a bit, there was a bit of a, seats. There was a bit of a, as much like in the north, bit more of a showing for Plaid. I think they won like one extra seat. So, I don't, well, they got the same number of seats. I think their oh. vote went up in some areas. I think there was there was a Remain alliance. So yeah. They were in the seats where they were in months, but they, I think, Plaid didn't do fantastic in the election. They sort of held steady. Um, I mean, one of their, the, I mean, their top traditional target seat, which is Innesmon, Anglesey, went Conservative this time. Um, wow. So, okay. I mean, I guess Northern Ireland is another interesting one you mentioned because um, obviously you've, you've now got more nationalist MPs than unionist MPs. Obviously, the seven Sinn Féin don't take their seats, so in Parliament it's not represented like that. But in terms of just sheer numbers, there are more nationalists than unionists. And um, you had Nigel Dodds, leader of the DUP in the House of Commons, losing his seat, um, which I think is more of a Remain vote necessarily than a than a necessarily a one for like Irish unity. But yeah. but maybe if they if, if they really want to remain, that might be seen as a path for. I mean, one of the thing I think mean one of the things that did come up was that if there was a a hard Brexit, that there would be calls in Northern Ireland for a new border Poland union with the rest of Ireland. I mean, you mentioned that um, as a unionist, John, it's something that you wouldn't want. Do you think that if Brexit was to cost the union do you think it would mm. still be worth it or do you think that you would prefer the union to stay as it was but not to fulfill brexit i would definitely prefer 
the union, the United Kingdom over over Brexit, because although I really don't like the European Union as an institution, um, I love the United Kingdom, and I think I don't I don't think that's a, a worthy price to pay for 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 Brexit. What about you, Conrad? I mean. I'm probably less of a unionist. In fact, I mean, I, 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 I don't want Scotland or anything to leave or Northern Ireland. But if it was that, if, if, I mean, if, if in 2014 that Scotland had voted yes, I would, I would have been disappointed, but I would have respected that result. I don't think there should be another Scottish referendum because they've already had one. No, I and agree. That it's been, and, and at the time, it was all billed as a once a generation event. So much like the e-referendum, you know, if you, I, I can see an argument for a second one in 30 years, but not in any reasonable sort of time, sort of any sort of short-term thing. Um, the interesting thing about sort of the Scotland, if they did, to, if they were to leave the 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 UK, um, they would have to have the reapply to join the EU, whether obviously we left or not. Obviously, we are going to leave now. Um, which means obviously Euro, Schengen, all those things that <laughs> makes rejoin so unpopular yeah. in the in the rest of the UK. I don't know if that's a, a different thing for Scotland if they wouldn't mind that. So I mean, much, I, have I, guess. Heard, I have heard some people say that they would prefer sort of like a Schengen arrangement because of the size of the population in Scotland and like the um, uh, amount of work that there is that isn't being taken up because the mm. population is smaller. But then there'd have to be a hard border on the um, Scottish-English yeah. border, which is... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another point that's sort of... Is, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of the SNP's arguments are... I, I've, you know, they only make sense with either not being EU members or, or, you know, everyone being an EU member. It doesn't really make sense for the rest of the UK to remain... to be outside and Scotland to be in. Because that just brings up a lot more problems. Yeah. Do you think that um, the fact that there was seemingly that Corbyn was like on this whole thing of, oh, well, you know, we might, if we got into an arrangement with the SNP, we might let them have a second referendum. Uh, do you think that's something that hurt him? Because, I mean, it certainly seemed to hurt Ed Miliband in 2015 when there were sort of like insinuations that he would get into like a coalition with the mm. SNP. I mean, was that, do you think that's something yeah. that hurt him this time? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, the the reality is that that England has voted for the Conservative Party, which is you know, which is unionist. It's it's adamantly against a, a second referendum on, on Scottish independence, which I think you know is a clear voice that the country, as a majority, doesn't doesn't want that to happen. So I think. It definitely did, you know. I mean, it's certainly one of the many, many, many factors that has harmed Labour in this election for sure. Yeah, I think it was obviously. So, I mean, in, in Scotland, they lost all but one of their seats, um, whereas obviously Lib Dems and Scottish Conservatives kept a higher proportion of their seats. Um, I think a lot of that maybe due to the. Um, Corbyn's position. He, Corbyn didn't. Refer, he, he was asked, "Are you a unionist?" He said, "No." Um, <laughs> explicitly said no. Um, so I think that meant that they didn't get the unionist vote that that they might have got in the last election. In, if you were in a seat where it's SNP Labour, 
if you're a unionist who might be backing Central Lib Dems, you might tactically vote Labour. This time, what's the difference? They're both support. Yeah, they're yeah. both open to a second Scottish Independence referendum, so you would be less likely to tactically vote. So I think that did them harm there. Um, so um, I'm looking ahead to next year. Um, we've got a Labour leadership election. We've got Brexit. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking maybe. Well, what's the Labour's position going to be on the Brexit bill? Will they vote for it? Will they abstain? Much like the referendum or welfare bills in 2015, which they kind of um, voted for or abstained on to kind of show that they'd listened and understood the the result of the referendum. And seeing as the you've got the like Labour post mortem, a lot of people are saying it's Brexit related. The, what the reason they did so badly? So will they? vote for this bill is a, is a big question I'm seeing and which kind of leader will they pick I, I do think um, it would you know benefit them as a, a party to to come more in line with you know the public opinion of of being in favour of Brexit so it would it would do them you know better to you know either vote accordingly or abstain but the likelihood is you know if, if still under Jeremy Corbyn um, if you know if the the next leader hasn't hasn't been elected by then, then um, it's likely that um, they'll probably still vote against. One of the things that has been uh, also happening over the um, last year has been the race for the White House. Uh, we've seen various Democratic uh, potential candidates announce their candidacy, and now some have dropped out, and we're getting to uh, fewer and fewer. Uh, Democrats, what do you think is likely to happen in the next presidential election? I mean, do you think that whoever the Democratic candidate uh, will be, that they'll beat Trump? Uh, or do you think that he's going to win? I mean, so I think the in terms of American politics, um, I mean, it's, Trump is fairly unpopular, but his unpopularity isn't really changed much. It's kind of fairly stable. He's not really gone down a lot. Um, there's there's a solid base that are going to support him. The question is, will he get lucky again? Will he have a because he was never popular as a candidate, so he's not popular as president, but he was never popular before. Will he be lucky and get a, a an equally or more unpopular Democrat to run against, which is his chance really to win again? Because if the Democrats nominate someone who's quite popular, then he's screwed. But it. It's, I mean, they've, they don't seem to, there seems to be a lot of un, unhappiness with the field. You've seen Michael Bloomberg join recently um, due to that sort of dissatisfaction. And you've had a lot of people drop out, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, who were seen as big, big hopes. Um, I think Andrew Yang is quite interesting, although obviously he's not likely to get the nomination. He's at some, at least saying something different to all the rest. He's got his interesting idea of a universal basic income. Um and by the fact that obviously he's he's not a politician, he's not he's just an, he's he's not very very well known at all. But he's on the Democrat debate stage. He's polling at four percent. He's outlasted all these governors and senators and representatives. Um, and even better, O'Rourke as well. He's one of again, he was thought to be a big sort of the next Kennedy or whatever, or the n- new Obama but white. Uh, not that doesn't seem to be sort of happening. <laughs> For him, because he dropped out as well. Um, Pete Buttigieg is currently sort of going up a bit. 
Um, but the, the real story is Joe Biden sort of been a very consistent front runner. He's not really moved much in the polls either. So Joe Biden is, as of now, the most likely Democrat nominee. And he would probably win. I think he'd probably get elected, but obviously a lot could change between now and then, especially if they nominate Elizabeth Warren, who I think is probably Trump's dream opponent in terms of just her sort of radical left policies. And America is not a socialist or left wing country really at all. So I think that's who Trump will be hoping to get nominated. But it was only a few months still Iowa and we see sort of the results come in for that. Yeah, I, I can see Joe Biden doing well in in, in public popularity in, in America. I can see, um, I, yeah, it makes it makes the most sense for for him to be the Democratic for the to be the Democrat um, nominee. What do you think about it all, Will? Have you got a personal favourite? I think that it's kind of difficult to pick favourite at the moment because of course there are similarities between uh, some of the candidates like um, as you mentioned Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders I think there are sort of similarities there in terms of policy and perhaps not in personality but in terms of policy there are sort of like similarities mm-hmm. um, I think that generally Biden might be popular but he is quite gaff prone and he has been making some sort of like rather unfortunate mistakes recently. So that might make him um, perhaps not the best person to go up to against someone who is already, you know, quite well known for his gaffes. People might just think, well, you know, we might as well stick with the guy who's already there, who's gaff prone as opposed to going for someone who is slightly older than him, but is equally gaff prone. Um, and I think that... Like you mentioned, um, people like uh, Pete Buttigieg and Beto O'Rourke could potentially be interesting, but at the end of the day, they're probably not going to get... Yeah, I mean, Beto's already dropped out. Oh, yeah, Beto's already dropped out. So um, they're not obviously likely going to get a shot at it, but maybe at the next uh, round of elections, they may have a better chance. I don't know. It's just something we'll have to say. So uh, we're coming up to the end of the podcast. It's been great to have you on, Jonathan, and great to uh, discuss what's been happening over the the past year with you. Uh, Thank you very much. As this this has been a a review of the year, and we are coming up to the end of the year and Christmas, of course. Of course. uh, I'd like to ask one final question. What do you want for Christmas? (laughs) Well, as a devout Christian, I will say the Lord Jesus is there not anything I mean, else that we can get you? Because, I mean, you know, we might have to get you something. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, well, to be fair, that is cheating because I already have Jesus. So, mm, um, I don't know, maybe go for something nostalgic from childhood and get me some Lego. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus or Lego, I'm, I'm happy with, with, with both, to be honest. I think I, mean, I would have said I would have said a Boris Johnson landslide, but again, I've already, we've already got that. Yeah, so. you've already got that. So you yeah. <laughs> such a Tory. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I hope you have all enjoyed listening to the podcast. This is going to be our last podcast for this year. We'll be back in sometime in January. 
if you would like to follow us, you can do on Twitter at Debated Podcast. If you'd like to send us an email about this podcast or any other, uh, you can do so uh, via email, Gmail, uh, at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes and YouTube. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs>